Hi, I'm Jen Gorecki, the CEO and co-founder of Coalition Snow. On any given day, you might find me on the back of a motorcycle in Africa, chipping away at the patriarchy, or playing in the mountains. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. I'm a high school teacher, and when I'm not in the classroom, you can find me on the mat, on the trail, or skiing 12 months a year around the world. What we've learned over the years is that despite how good that epic powder day or trail ride is, there's still so much more to talk about. So what we're doing is taking those conversations that we start on the chairlift and the trail, and we're delivering them to you in juicy bits every few weeks. As modern outdoor women, we do more than get dirty outside. We are complex, adventurous, and intellectual. And so are you. So subscribe today. Check out our campaign on Patreon and get ready to blush, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is brought to you by Coalition Snow, a women's outdoor company making equipment and apparel designed to deconstruct the status quo. FYI, friends, this podcast contains mature content and may not be appropriate for younger ears. You've been warned and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Juicy Bits. Uh, Jen Gorecki, CEO of Coalition Snow here. And I am thrilled to be able to have the conversations about the Olympics today that I want to be able to have. Now, you might be asking yourself, why can't you say anything that you want to say about the Olympics? And that's because of Rule 40. So, Jillian, do you know what Rule 40 is? Uh, no, I have no idea. Yeah, and that's reasonable. I'm sure most of you listening right now have no idea what Rule 40 is even about. And I'm just going to explain it to you, and then you can exist in my hell for just a moment. So Rule 40 was created by the Olympic Committee that essentially states that if you are not a sponsor, an official sponsor of the Olympic Games, that you cannot use the words Olympic, competition, games. There's all of these words that are off limits from a marketing or advertising standpoint, nine days leading up to the games and then two days following the end of the games. Why this matters to me is that Coalition had two women who were competing on our skis in the halfpipe competition. So you're so excited to watch your athletes, these women who have been training for years and doing everything that it takes to get to the Olympic stage. And you can't say a word about them. And that's really, really tough when you're watching them live and you want to like send this shout out of congratulations and you can't do it. So we'll, we'll do this now. Roz, Britt, congratulations on laying down some beautiful runs at the Olympics. So everybody, high fives, golf claps. Yeah, so Rule 40 was essentially created to protect the paid sponsors of the Olympic Games, and then sponsors of the athletes, like Coalition Snow, are prohibited from even mentioning the fact that we have athletes competing in the Games. That's really, I don't know if interesting is the right word. So basically, as a sponsor of the athletes, you're prohibited from supporting your own athletes and helping to, you know, advertise for them and get their name out there and do things that really stoke athletes and, you know, on this world stage, not so much 
you know, for the pressure, but for that facilitative pressure that helps the athletes perform so well. So you're prohibited from doing that. But that's how many, that's how so many of the athletes get there is through those sponsorships, not the sponsorships of the games. Like, well, yeah, the sponsorship of the games, that doesn't go to the athletes. No. It's, it's all of the, it's all of the ski and the snowboard sponsors and the goggles and the helmets and the outerwear. Like those are the companies who are actually paying the salaries of these Olympic athletes and allowing them to compete and train and, and get to the game. So that's rule 40, which really speaks to a much bigger issue in the Olympics, which is about, well, and perhaps this world, about how money rules everything, right? And we saw this, well, I guess this would be up for debate, so you can tell us if, if we're reading this correctly or not, but Michaela Schifrin is a perfect example of someone who was elevated to this almost godlike status because she was able to help build out a narrative for the U.S. Olympic team and for NBC to have a woman who would win more gold medals than any other woman had ever done and what that would do for NBC and what that would do for the Olympics and what that would do for all of the sponsors. And really, they were using her as a tool to build drama and entice viewership which you have to wonder, is this about the love of the games and about an individual athlete being able to be like pushing them, pushing themselves? Or is this about driving revenue? You know, my gut there, and I'm, I'm curious to see what our listeners will have to say, because they've probably thought on this as well, watching such an incredible athlete be put in the headlines in such a way that it does take attention away from the athleticism. It does take attention away from Absolutely. the hours and hours that are put in to the training. And I'm not an Olympic athlete, but I can only imagine. And then I think about, again, on the sponsorship level, my head's still spinning about this a little bit because I'm like, that's how athletes are able to pay their rent, take the care of the things that they need to do to be able to be focused on the game. So then you take this other narrative. I'm like, that money, where that's going, it's not supporting our athletes. And it's definitely not supporting our women athletes where they're put in a situation to, yes, you should feel like you can perform under pressure. You're an Olympic athlete, but at to what level does it become more about the revenue that's going to be generated for these larger sponsors, or in this case, a network, because they're going to garner some drama, right? And some viewership based on selling the story. Who are you competing for, right? Like it, that's really the, the, the question. Who are you competing for? And only Michaela can answer that for herself. So I'm not going to um, purport to know, you know, why she does what she does, it, or, and I'm not even going to judge her at all, like zero judgment on this woman because she's an incredible athlete um, who deserves nothing but praise, more just having a bigger conversation around the financial side of the Olympics. And, and it's interesting when, when we consider the pressure that our athletes face, which I would argue has to do with their sponsors, look at Esther Ledecka, who won the gold medal in the Super G. Here's this woman who's a snowboarder, and, and no one actually thought that she could win this event. She grabbed a pair of skis off the rack, and she ended up winning. And that speaks volumes to where athleticism is able to shine because there's no pressure. She did not go into that run thinking that she was going to win. And that was what, hands down, one of the best Olympic moments ever, ever. And I was hoping to see other great Olympic moments in the women's snowboarding slope style competition. But as we all know, we didn't get to see those women perform to their caliber 
because it was windy and Fist refused to reschedule that event. And the, the interesting thing is that Fist actually said that adverse conditions are the nature of the sport, and that's why they wouldn't move it. But we all really know that they were already moving events like the Giant Slalom that brought in a lot more money, right? So this event didn't get moved because they needed to make sure that like their primetime spots were held for the events that had more viewership. But these women, these these snowboarders who've been pushing that sport to the new level were sandbagged because they weren't able to showcase their skills. So Jen, do you think these gale force wins, had they occurred when there was a men's slope style competition, do you think the same dynamic would have played out? Well, that's a really good question. Just your thoughts. I know you're not on the Olympic committee and you didn't do a lot of the scheduling for the Olympics. They they should ask me though. Let's just be really... Let's just be clear. They should have asked me to be (laughs) there. The issue for me with the decision that was made and and the issue for a lot of the athletes and a lot of people who have been talking about this is safety. It was unsafe for these women to compete. Men may have had a different experience because a lot of them are just bigger and wouldn't literally be carried away. You know, their snowboards acting like sails. But I do think that any event that brings in more money, which tend to be the events that men compete in, they absolutely would change the schedule. And that's what they did for the giant slalom. It's just really unfair to these women who've competed. And and it really is an issue of safety. And then it's just a shame that we didn't get to see them do what they were capable of doing and that they had been preparing for so many years. And now many of them are going to have to wait another four years. It also goes back to something you shared with me. One of the t- We were talking about the games, and it was this unfortunate, toxic narrative that could be out there that women aren't as interesting to watch, right? And then you have this situation where it wasn't that they weren't as interesting to watch. We didn't get to see them. Like exactly. you just spoke to, we didn't get to see them perform on that world stage where they had been preparing for countless hours and what you just spoke to, it's tough. Some of these athletes will age out and that's just like the nature of... Oh, in the next four years, yeah, they won't, yeah. Be, they won't be competing. Well, and, and we've seen it from everything from basketball to tennis to just about any emerging sport for women. One of the big arguments is that they're not interesting to watch and so they don't and this, this comes back to the money. I'm going to bring it back to the money, right? Women don't secure as many sponsors as male athletes. They don't earn as much money as male athletes. The prizes are never as much. And the rationale is that women cannot draw an audience the same size as men. And then therefore they drive less traffic. And then that's less money to the sponsors. But the interesting thing here is that These very people who are telling us what's interesting and not interesting to watch are the very people who are responsible for creating this gender gap. And it's not a huge surprise that the majority of these individuals are white men, which is a statement of fact. No offense to our male allies here, but they're the pillars by which everything else is compared to and judged against. And that's what needs to change here is that normalcy, right? And women might be different than men, but our differences are not deficits. And this year's Olympic Games have proven that women are just as competitive, just as fierce, and just as interesting to watch as men when given the chance to showcase their skills. So I'm going to continue to ponder on what can kind of be done about this. So I'm aware of the power of my pocketbook. 
And I feel like dollars matter. And so what I'm hearing from you is this is when we bring this back kind of to money, it's I'm not just going to watch female figure skating in the Olympics, right? And I don't mean to say that that's not an interesting sport to watch, but I'm going to maybe argue stereotypically that that might be something that people are more commonly like drawn to seeing women in their athleticism in that sort of like more dainty situation as opposed to them completely shredding and sending to the point where um, just a little, you know, again, a shout out to our, our athletes from coalition sending runs where you just like your mind's blown and you're like, these are, they're athletes. They're human. They're human athletes and they're just performing in this way. And so I feel like there's this opportunity where, where does my money go in supporting in terms of sponsorships for athletes and as well as for something on like the big stage, like the Olympics. And even looking at, like, what media outlets do you support? Like, what outlets are actually showing, um, you know, live events? Who's re reporting on it? Who and, and that's a big part of it, too, is, is the media representation in addition to, to sponsors of these women. It'll be interesting to see how these different events evolve and what comes out of the Olympics, particularly because so many people are having these conversations around the slope style competition, around the pressure that Michaela Schifrin was under. And then of course, there's one other big conversation that people are having about the worst athlete at the Olympics. The non-Olympic athlete? The non-Olympic athlete Elizabeth Sweeney, where there is this ongoing debate, you know, was she, was she a disgrace to women's halfpipe or the queen of not giving a fuck? I still haven't come to my definitive conclusion on this, but I think it's, you know, if you haven't seen the run, you probably, you probably have. Um, You're not missing anything. Yeah. If you haven't, just so you know, you could do it. Whoever you, you are. Yeah. If you do not snowboard, maybe you've never, you don't even, you can't even, you could do it. Even if you've never skied, you can't even visualize a half pipe. Um, we're, you know, dealing with someone who did not perform any tricks. Nothing. Like nothing that you would do in a half pipe run. But she was persistent and qualified for what she needed to to make it into the games. Through loopholes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Through – this is what it come, comes down to. This woman was able to identify the loopholes in – the Olympics and get herself to the Olympics. But she knew going into it that she had, there was no way that she was going to be able to compete with anyone there. And the reason why she knows this is because she never even has put in as much time in a pipe as all of the real athletes who have dedicated their entire lives. And so you're definitely hearing a tinge of annoyance in my voice. And this is why. Women don't get the benefit of the doubt, and women have to fight harder and do more than men. And the snow sports industry and sports in general, they've continually questioned whether or not women should be able to compete, particularly in the half pipe and some of these emerging sports. And then there's the debate that we just had of like, where do the sponsorship dollars go? Where's the, the, the TV time? So when you have an individual who takes advantage of a system and does nothing to build upon the sport and elevate the sport and elevate the status of, of women, you're actually bringing all of those women down and bringing down that entire event because people are going to question how women get into the games and if there's enough rigor behind that process. 
and they are never going to have that conversation about men. And that's what absolutely sucks about yeah. this. Oh, so the principal, I mean, I wonder what her thought process was because I feel like the principle of it is going to set up, it was kind of like a fuck you to the other athletes. Well, and it's, and it's kind of bold for me to say, but I'm just, you know, it it's just kind feels... of a fuck you to the Olympics, too, just mm-hmm. because one of the issues is that we know that even being able to compete at the Olympics is so cost prohibitive that how many athletes in this world exist who can never, ever make it to the Olympics because they don't have the money. But here's the thing. She's not one of those athletes because she's can't ski the half pipe. <laughs> No, so if she could, <laughs> but if, if she could actually throw down, yeah. throw down a line in the half pipe, I'd have no problem with her working the system. I'm all about working the system yeah. and getting what you need. But she's not one of those people who's dedicated her entire life and developed this skill set deserving of being on an Olympic stage. And yeah. this, I'm just going to say, this is not a subjective opinion. This is a statement of fact <laughs> for anybody who's seen this run. You know she shouldn't have been there. No, and you'll never you'll never get those what 2 minutes back. No, I'm never you know what? I'm never going to get those 2 minutes of my life back and I'm just going to continue to try to keep. It's like you know when you get those really bad pop songs stuck in your head over and over again you can't mm-hmm. get those songs like it's like her run is stuck in my head but i really just want to get like a good run back in my head and visualize that rather than this like broken record of um like just kind of slipping up the side of the pipe mm-hmm. and then slipping back down and then slipping back up um although i am inspired because i now know that i too could be an olympic athlete thank you for that Sweeney, yeah. thank you for giving me the courage to believe that I too could compete in the Olympics. Well, we're glad to know how you really feel about it. My pleasure. Yep. You know, we always try to tell you how we really feel here on Juicy Bits, and we want to know how you really feel. How was your experience watching the Olympics? What were your star moments? What were the two minutes of your life that you'll never get back? We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> and, um, you know, tell us what you love. Tell us what you hate about Juicy Bits. Because please remember, there are two lips to every labia. See you next time.